This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, 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 is, is, Fight Disciples. Good evening. You are listening to Radio City Talk. It is Tuesday night, 6.30, and as ever... It is time for a little bit of Fight Disciples action. Uh, myself and the wonderful Mr. Nick Peake join you. Oh, thank you. Well, all right. You're getting ahead. Get... Wonderful. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you've got to, haven't you? I've got to make you... It's what, it's what you call psychological management, my friend. You know what I mean? I'm like right. the trainer. You're the fighter. Okay. You're, you're, the I, show, I, you're the showbiz. I'm up, I'm up. That's you're it. Fi- I'm up, yeah. You're the man that delivers. You're the one that delivers the knockout punches. I set them up, you deliver them, you know? So this is what this is our relationship. I was just like getting you in that frame of mind to be able to deliver some knockout punches for our lovely people this this evening. Are you fired up now? I'm ready. Yeah, can't You're... wait. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a couple of different things on the show tonight because obviously there's not been much action based around Liverpool fighters. This show obviously is dedicated to Merseyside boxing. Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different. We'll talk about the British fight scene and the gossip and news and landscape over the last seven days since we last spoke. We're going to um, move towards the UFC because if you're a, a fight fan, there's a chance that you might like a bit of mixed martial arts. We've got a couple of guys, obviously, that are fantastic in Liverpool at mixed martial arts in particular. Danny Roberts in the UFC, Paddy the Baddy in Cage Warriors, who's going to be in action at the Echo Arena Obviously, on April the 1st, I'm sure you've already got your ticket for that because it's going to be a sensational night. But we're going to talk about UFC 208, uh, which happened at the weekend. Uh, And after 7 o'clock, we will hear from Liam Smith, Beefy, who was at a press conference on Monday talking about his upcoming fight with the Welsh dragon that is uh, Liam Williams. It's a sensational fight at £154. Um, We're going to hear more, I suppose, from Liam Williams tonight because hopefully we'll have Beefy in the studio um, as we build up towards that fight, so you can get more of an in-depth chat uh, with Mr. Uh, Smith closer to the date of April the 8th. But we'll start, I suppose, uh, by talking about all the gossip that is going on in the world um, of British boxing. And we've got a point towards Ricky Hatton. I know that he's not Liverpoolian, but he is a Northwest icon. He's a British icon. Ricky Hatton at the weekend managed to bag himself his first world champion as a trainer, Zana Zakianov. You were dead impressed with this kid because he showed the heart of a lion very similar to the hitman himself. He was outstanding, wasn't he? You know, to, to pick himself up off the floor twice uh, in the first round uh, speaks volumes about how much this kid wanted to win this world title and how much, you know, how much uh, hard work's gone into him in this camp as well, you know. To, for, he's obviously 
he's not from the UK, he's from the Ukraine, but he's based out of Manchester with Ricky Hatton. Um, and he's obviously done a lot of work in the gym. Rishi Warren, let me tell you, that Rishi Warren, WBA champion, or the former WBA champion, should I say now, three-time Olympian for Team USA, you know, very much a rising superstar over the other side of the pond. And uh, he started this fight as a massive favourite. It was practically a hometown fight for him in Ohio. Um, and, uh, you know, to get the start he did, to drop ZZ twice in the first round, you know, he must have thought he was he, he was cruising away. In fact, his, his fan base certainly did. The place went absolutely <laughs> wild. Adrian Broner, the promoter mm. and his manager and... Uh, all his fans and everything were just going bonkers at the end of that first round. But tell you what, Ricky Hatton kept us cool. ZZ kept us cool. And they worked their way back into the fight. And by round three, it was it was all about Zanet pushing forward, putting pressure on, cutting down a ring and hitting him with bombs, hitting Warren with bombs. And uh, he, he rightfully took the title away. Relentless pressure. Very similar to how his trainer would have fought back in the day. Brilliant. It, uh, it was just, you know, it wasn't the most technical game plan. No, in the not world. listen, not at all. That's what I mean. It was, Ricky Atten get wasn't. Get your head on his chest. That's it. And wing away. That's it. Let your big shots go. Get your head on his chest and let your shots go. Because Warren's a dancer. He's a mover. He's a, you know, he's very much a. Uh, a colourful boxer in terms of the fact he likes to throw looping shots, big uppercuts. You know, he, he pounces in and lets his hands go. Great counter. But I tell you what, ZZ's lead right hand is back, throwing that back right hand. By the middle of the fight, he couldn't miss Warren with it. Yeah. You know, he, he was he didn't even need his jab. He was just firing out that long right back that that back hand, and he was hitting Warren in the chin every time, and he had him in trouble. And I thought down the stretch, I thought Warren was lucky not to get warned and get docked a point by the referee for for holding. He was holding on the inside. He was yeah. trying to tie ZZ up and uh, spoil the fight. But by then, the kid was in his ascendancy, you know. And obviously, they read the results out at the end, and one judge had it by about five or six rounds and Ricky Hatton's face just kind of dropped. I think he re- he thought then, you know, we, we've had a number done on us. You know, he's managed, the promoter has is, uh, is, is had a word with the officials here. But no, it was, it was the, exactly the opposite way. The refer- that, that one judge who had it by about five rounds to ZZ, he saw it slightly different than I did. I only had ZZ win it by one or two. But still, the main thing is that, you know, the, the, young, the little Ukrainian took the, took the belt home and takes the belt back to Manchester. I wonder totally if, deserved. I wonder if he likes Guinness. He's going to need to, isn't he, in that camp, mate? You know what I mean? That's how they celebrate a victory, isn't it? We are fly up in a Guinness. I'm telling you, that was in Toledo, Ohio. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine... <laughs> How much of the black stuff team all uh, day team breakfast Hitman put away there? All yeah, day exactly. breakfast the day after. Right, come on, bacon and eggs, get it on here, sunshine, and get us a pint of that stuff. Young exactly. Young Zizi, you'd have been like, what the flipping heck's this all Zizi, about? Yeah. Kazakhstan he's from, sorry, not Ukraine, Kazakhstan. Well, well done, mate. You are the WBA bantamweight champion. Sensational stuff and a, a great feather in the cap of Ricky Hatton, obviously. Did it himself. World champ. Yeah. Did it himself. Two weight world champ himself uh, in the ring and now outside of the ring. Uh, training boys to do the job. Well done. I'm sure it's the first of many. Well done, mate. Um, Sticking with the British fight scene, um, there's a lot of, obviously, furore around Manny Pacquiao. Now, you might think to yourself, Manny Pacquiao's not British, he's Filipino. Yes, but it kind of links in nicely to a couple of our British boys, i.e. Amir Khan and Kel Brook. Now, Manny Pacquiao, we thought, was all tied up. April 23rd, Brisbane, we thought he was heading down to Australia to defend his WBO crown against Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn thought that as well, I'm sure. Um, however, 
Manny Pacquiao's thrown a little bit of a tweet out and a cat amongst the pigeons because he is now asking his fans to vote for the fighter that they would like to see him in the ring with. Jeff Owen's name is on there. Obviously, he's finished fourth out of the vote, poor lad. Uh, but Amir Khan's on there. Uh, Terence Crawford, a man that Nick is a huge fan of. He's on that mm-hmm. list. And uh, our very own Kel Brook is also on that list as well. Now, Kel Brook has also thrown a little bit of a tweet out, stating that he will be fighting Errol Spence, his mandatory challenger for the IBF 147-pound title next. Now, this has not been signed, sealed and delivered. On our podcast show this week, via fightdisciples.com, me and Nick speak about Eddie Hearn being a little bit, I think chance is maybe the wrong word. I'm trying to think of a better word at this moment in time, but a man that loves to seize an opportunity, let's say that. Um, and this is an opportunity to try and get Kel Brook a super fight with Manny Pacquiao, and I'm sure he's trying to make that happen before he makes the Errol Spence fight. The Errol Spence fight's a great fight. It's a great fight. But listen, Manny Pacquiao's a pound-for-pound fighter. This is a, an earner. This is a big one. And uh, 100%, Eddie wouldn't be doing his job if he at least hasn't put a phone call into Bob Adam over this Manny Pacquiao text. But, you know... From the outside looking in, Manny Pacquiao, if he's definitely going to go to the Middle East, it's going to be Khan, isn't it? He's going to fight Amir Khan. You would think so. Khan's got a big relationship with a lot of the Middle East. He spends a lot of time out in the Middle East, Khan. He's got quite a lot of sponsors, I think, out there, quite a bit of financial influence. It would make sense to fight Amir Khan over there. Obviously, they've got the the whole thing that they used to be sparring partners out of the same gym with Freddie Roach as well. That all gets put in the mix. I think that's the fight that's more than likely going to happen. Now, poor old Jeff Horn, poor old Jeff Horn. You Oof. know, he must have he must have been walking around the schoolyard telling the kids where he works and fighting Manny Pacquiao, one of the greatest of this generation. I'm bringing him here. I'm bringing him to Brisbane. I'm bringing him to Australia to fight me. One of the greats. What a moment it's going to be. <laughs> and the kids, one of the kids probably went, uh, Sir, Sir, <laughs> I follow Manny on Twitter. What do you make of that? <laughs> I voted for you, though, Sir. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the fight doesn't look like it's happening in Australia. Jeff Owen's still in the mix. It just doesn't look like it's happening in Australia. It will be the United Arab Emirates, as you just mentioned, they're the Middle East. Um, I feel you've got to feel for Jeff Owen because like you said it looked like it was signed, sealed and delivered but I think you're absolutely bang on the one that makes the most amount of sense and probably the most amount of money in mm-hmm. that part of the world is Amir Khan and this little back and forth between Amir Khan and Kel Brook just keeps bubbling and bubbling and bubbling because yeah. of things like this it is exactly you know and again you've got to feel for Kel uh, because I think Kel probably deserves it more than Amir Khan don't get me from a pure fight fan perspective I would love to see Terence Crawford get the fight I think uh, Manny Pacquiao against Terence Crawford you're only saying that because he's a mate of ours now on social media you're only well, saying that exactly that, yeah so you could DM him for a ticket that's what it is isn't it so you could get you could get it up close and personal with Bud get us in <laughs> get us in there young Terence but I think that's the toughest fight for Manny out of the th- I think Terence Crawford of and course, Kel Brook yeah. are the tougher fights Amir Khan's the fight that makes most sense Jeff Horn, I, I, to be honest, I never got the Jeff Horn fight when it was announced in the first place. Well, you were thinking money, weren't you? When we spoke, it was, it was like, all about hey, money. Yeah, well, I just thought some crazy Australian with a fortune has decided to throw a wedge of money at Manny Pacquiao to fight his mate. That That's kind of what it felt like with Jeff Horn. <laughs> I love that, his mate. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll get him over here. It's like an exhibition. That's what you were basically insinuating, yeah. weren't it? Some type of exhibition where Manny gets weighed in for 100 million or something. Yeah, something bonkers. Absolutely. Um, still to come on the show this evening, we are going to be hearing from Liam Smith and Liam Williams ahead of their uh, efforts on April the 8th 
at the arena in Manchester. It's going to be the first one for Frank Warren on BT. I tell you something, it's going to be some night that because Terry Flanagan's in action, Nicola Adams is also in action, and as uh, Nick pointed out on our social media. Um, my son, Jack Catterall, is also yeah. going to be <laughs> uh, fighting as well. That's a lie, by the way. I'm far too young to be Jack Catterall's dad, but I'll tell you something, the kid can fight, and I will take that namesake all day long. We'll be speaking about them uh, after 7 o'clock. Make sure you stick around. Uh, coming up next, something just a touch different, uh, because um, for those that listen to us on a weekly basis via fightdisciples.com, uh, myself and Nick not only do a boxing show, but we also do a UFC-specific show. Um, now, you might not necessarily be a mixed martial arts fan yourself. However, Liverpool is buzzing at this moment in time when it comes to mixed martial arts because of certain people like Danny Roberts, who's in the UFC, um, and more prominently, Paddy the Baddy, Paddy Pimlet, who we're massive fans of. The lad's got bags of personality. I'm sure you've come across him in some way, shape or form if you're a fight fan. Uh, but he's obviously in Cage Warriors and he's going to be fighting again at the Echo Arena, which we're all dead excited about. Now, because of that, I thought it would be nice for us to look at the wider scale of the UFC next, uh, because at the weekend it was UFC 208. Now, okay, if you watched it, you might think to yourself, well, is there much to talk about? Because, let's be honest, it wasn't the greatest pay-per-view that the UFC have put on recently. But with Nick being the editor-in-chief of Fighters Only magazine, I think it's only fair that we touch upon that next on Radio City Talk. So don't go anywhere. This, this, this... You're listening to Radio City Talk. It is, of course, Tuesday night, and between 6.30 and 7.30, it is the Fight Disciple Show. We do cater for the Merseyside boxing scene on this particular show, but we also like to touch upon things um, in the wider scale of fight sports. Um, Now, my trusted colleague here, has been working in the world of fight sports for how long now? 55 years? I mean, you're, you're ancient in this like game, that. aren't you? Ancient. It feels like that, yeah. You've been doing it for time. And more latterly, you've obviously been concentrating your efforts uh, in the world of mixed martial arts, in particular the UFC. Now, mm-hmm. there'll be fans of boxing that try the UFC and maybe not necessarily like it. There'll be guys that go across and absolutely love it and prefer it. Now, if you listen to the show right now, and you think to yourself, well, I don't know too much about it. Well, hopefully we're going to shed a little bit of light on what's been happening recently, and you might want to try an upcoming card. Um, the next big pay-per-view card that you'll be able to get in this country on BT Sport would be um, on March the 4th, and there's some sensational fights on that, of which we will preview in a minute for you. But first of all, let's look back at the weekend just gone, my man, because we've got to get rid of the dross before we talk about the good. Because yep. UFC 208 was probably the, the poorest uh, spectacle that I've seen since being a fan of, uh, of the UFC. As, as a total card, to have 10 fights that nine of them go to decision is quite unheard of, really. It is, yeah, especially in the UFC. You know, it's, it's very unusual for so many fights to go, the, uh, to go the distance like they did on Saturday night. It wasn't a great card. It was never a great card from the outset, to be honest with you. There was always questions raised about... Uh, the validity of the women's featherweight title fight, which was on the top of the card, featuring two blown-up bantamweights, and then two fights at middleweight on that main card as well, which were unusual matchups. Certainly, one of them was unusual anyway. So uh, it's 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 been a weird fallout, you know. It was a weird event to watch. You know, there was some bad refereeing. There was some pretty shocking matchmaking. <laughs> there was some uh, just downright awful fights. 
Um, and yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird one to pick up on on the show because these numbered events, the way the UFC works, this was UFC 208. Yeah. Obviously, this coming weekend, there's UFC Fight Night Nova Scotia. They have UFC on Fox. They kind of build them different ways for anyone who doesn't watch the UFC. But when it's a number, when it's just UFC 208 like the weekend, that basically means it was a pay-per-view event in America. So we'll feature a world title fight and genuine, generally... You know the main card features the the you know the the real biggest stars yeah. who are signed in the UFC. That's kind of how you can how you can judge these events. So it should have really stood up a lot stronger at the weekend, but unfortunately it just didn't catch fire at all. And even UFC president Dana White came out and admitted it was a pretty awful card. Now, obviously, if you want to hear um, me and Nick discussing that particular card on our UFC show, please go to our website fightdisciples.com and subscribe to our podcast. That episode, episode number 76, will be available for you on Thursday morning. We have let's just say a slight disagreement when it comes to the the female fight, shots after the bell, all that type of stuff. We discuss it on the show, so go there, have a little bit of a nosy. But- You're wrong. You're wrong, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that that's nine times out of ten the correct answer, <laughs> what he's just said. But, you know, we have a debate anyway about it, so go and join in on the show uh, via our website, fightdisciples.com. Right now, though, I just want you, Nick, obviously, to... Because there'll be people that listen to this and they're more boxing fans than they are UFC fans. So I just want to give you give a bit of a state of play with where the UFC is at right at this moment in time regarding uh, a sport on the world scale, regarding obviously the purchase, the recent transition, uh, new business owners, the way that they are moving forward into 2017. Yeah, it's it's crazy time of the UFC at the moment it really is in this massive transitional period obviously I think most sports fans will be aware that last summer the UFC was sold it was uh, it was sold by the Fatita brothers who had had it for 20 years and basically took it from being very much a, a carnival style backwater sideshow no holds barred uh, blood sport if you like uh, and they took it and they put rules behind it and regulated it and they fought to get it on TV and they got it on TV and they built this brand and they spent 20 years turning it around. So when they picked it up, it was a couple of million in the hole. And when they sold it in the summer, they sold it for $4 billion, <laughs> which to put some perspective on that, I know it's just crazy money, isn't it? It's like there's no, you can't really get your head around it. No. But to put some perspective on that, that's the same amount of money that George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney. Wow. That's how big the UFC as a brand is right now. Uh, and obviously these guys, it, it was a it was a company called William Morris Endeavor IMG, which is a Hollywood super agency slash probably the world's biggest sports agency. Uh, they were the ones that came in. They've taken over management of the UFC now. And um, it's very much still in the honeymoon period with them. You know, there's been some questionable events, like like the one at the weekend, was being questioned by a lot of industry insiders on the on the strength of that event. There's been some questionable decisions in terms of fighters uh, being made available or leaving the organisation. But right now, it's very much a sport. It's very much a promotion. In transition, but make no mistake, 2017 is going to be a huge year. Listen, these guys have only paid $4 billion for this franchise, this entity, if you like, for one reason, and that's to turn it into $8 billion. So mm. 2017 is going to be a huge year for the UFC. I think we're going to see a massive influx of new signings. We're going to see a massive influx of more events come the end of the year. 
And uh, I think right now, from a Fife fan perspective, it's just a case of, of, of just watch this space, you know? Traditionally, it's South American based, obviously into America. Um, but if we're looking at world champions at this moment in time, at the weekend, Europe picked yep. up another world champion. That's four out of the 11 now that are year, European, the UFC world champions. Obviously, we've got our own Mike Bisping, Conor McGregor, as we've mentioned. One of my favourites, uh, the Polish girl, Johanna Jodrajek, is also uh, a world champion. And Jermaine Dramanda May from uh, Holland at the weekend picked up uh, uh, the inaugural featherweight belt. Where Where is UFC in Europe at this moment in time? And can you see, obviously, this change, this... Uh, this takeover from WMEIMG having uh, a bigger influence now over this side so we get to enjoy more of it. I think so, yeah. I think the the thing with with the UFC is, you know, it's very much still... The UFC is the main promotion driving the sport of mixed martial arts. They are the NFL of mixed martial arts, if you like. There's no bigger promotion out there. The, re- the how they're gonna grow is globally. You know, the, the UFC can't get any bigger in America. Yeah. It's it's live on Fox. It has magazine shows on Fox. You know, it's it's all its pay per view events are through. You know, it, it's huge over there. It, it can't get any bigger. Fox is ba- Fox Sports is basically the American version of Sky Sports. Yeah. It's on the, the fighters are on the breaking news. I say there's magazine shows all the time. There's events every weekend, pretty much. You know, it, it literally the the room for growth in America. Now, when you when you talk about like Ronda Rousey going on, you know, uh, daytime TV shows and Conor McGregor doing evening TV shows and you know UFC stars featuring on Dancing with the Stars and movies and going as well on, and fighters on The Apprentice and going into movies and blockbusters. Mike Bispin's in Triple X, which is in cinemas right now. It, the, the the growth for the UFC is not in America. The growth for the UFC is Europe. It is Asia. It is. You know, it, it, a lot of South America and and even Africa as well. You know, these are places that the UFC hasn't even touched yet. That's how they're going to make so much more money. That's how they're going to make the brand bigger. And I think that's going to be the big move for them next in, hopefully in the second half of 2017. Listen, from a European fight fan perspective, we've heard it before. I've sat down personally with Dana White and with the former owners, the you know, Lorenzo Fatita, sat down with them and they explained... You, we know Europe's a market we're not we're not capitalising on. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Well, I think now it's kind of a case of they've got to come here now. They've got to really start pushing this area. I know we've got a UFC London event coming up in a couple of weeks, but it wouldn't surprise me to see at least six events in Europe this year, mm. but maybe even double that in 20, 2018 because this is the market this is a lucrative market you touched on it then with the Polish champion Joanna Jadrzejczyk if you go and watch MMA in Poland not even UFC there's a promotion in Poland called KSW if you go over there those guys are selling out 15, 16, 18 20,000 seater arenas regularly for KSW the events are huge they've actually just booked their first stadium event 50,000 people in Warsaw, I think it is. That's how big a market it is in Poland. Sweden, go to Sweden. MMA is huge. This is a country that doesn't even have professional boxing, but mixed martial arts in Sweden is absolutely massive. And I think the European market's wide open. And as I say, I think the UFC are going to be coming here big. If not this year, 2018 is going to be massive. And you're going to see UFC events up and down the country. I know that... um the pay-per-view market for them at this moment in time is obviously America. 
and that's where they make the majority of their money. But yes. surely off the back of the success of Manchester and UFC 204, where they obviously altered the times of when people fought over in the UK, do you think we might get to see um, some actual numbered events rather than standard UFC fight nights? It, it, it could happen. Obviously, the, the timing thing needs to work with the stadium. You're, you're right. The model at the moment is the biggest profit margin is by doing pay-per-view events. So it's difficult to do pay-per-view events outside of American borders because of the time difference that messes everything up. Hence the reason why, you know, me and you staggered out of the Manchester <laughs> Arena last year at like half past seven in the morning looking like zombies with 20,000 20, other fight fans. It can happen. You know, from a fight fan perspective, that's not what we want. We want big events here, but we want big events for this market. Yeah. You know, we want to enjoy them in a normal time here. We want to be able to watch events. You know, we we watch enough UFC events at four o'clock in the morning live from Las Vegas. We don't need to see it four o'clock in the morning live from Manchester or Liverpool or Newcastle or London, whatever. You know, we need events for this market and to really cater for this market and to grow this market. That's what the UFC are, are going to have to do. And for me, from an outsider looking in. That's the only way they grow this market is by putting on more events, more events at the right times and spreading the wealth in terms of talent as well. Let's see more of the marquee talent, if you like, that are usually on the pay-per-view events come and fight in Europe and, and bring eyeballs. Just a quick one regarding the Merseyside mixed martial arts scene. Um, I've mentioned Danny Roberts there. Technically not a scouser, he's a Bristolian, but he did train out of uh, Liverpool and he's obviously he's a star now in the UFC sadly it didn't go his way in Manchester but he's on the road to recovery he'll be back fighting very very soon we of course know about Paddy the Baddy at Cage Warriors who surely at some point mate will get a tap on the shoulder from the UFC he's got a crossover at some point hasn't he? Yeah, well, Paddy's already had the tap on the shoulder and so has his teammate Chris Fishgold. Both of those guys are world champions in Cage Warriors right now. Both absolutely on a tear. And I think from what I hear, both were given the opportunity to move over to the UFC. But the Cage Warriors deal, you know, Cage Warriors is very much a, a, a promotion that are fighting back. You know, they've got their own TV deal with BT Sport and they've invested a lot of money in both Chris, Go Chris Fishgold and, and Paddy Bimler to stay with that promotion for the time being. Listen, Paddy's in no rush he's only he's only a baby anyway uh, there's no rush to get him into the UFC tomorrow uh, his time will come most definitely and uh, I think when it's you know when the time's right we'll see him move over but you know the UFC aren't coming to Liverpool at any time in 2017 from what I can gather Cage Warriors are I think that'll draw in a lot of fans and I think a lot of Merseyside fight fans that do enjoy the UFC or even are just the boxing fans just go down there and see what these guys are doing the last time Chris Fishgold and Paddy Pimlet headlined a card at the Echo Arena. I tell you now, it wasn't the biggest crowd I'd seen in there, but it was one of the best atmospheres for any fight night. And I'd urge anybody to go down and have a look. But uh, and outside of that realm, um, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned Danny there. Obviously, Danny's partners from Liverpool, his babies in Liverpool, his family's in Liverpool. This is where he's based out of now. But there's also a guy who fights over in Russia or fights regularly in Russia called Jack McGann. Who is who's a big rising star from the city? He's got UFC written all over him further down the line. Right now he's fighting in Russia, but he's definitely one to look out for as well. We'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts when it comes to our Liverpool fighters. Uh, and I do encourage you, March 4th, check out uh, the next pay per view event. BT Sport will be on in the early hours of the morning. There's two absolute world class fights on that card. 
of which you'll be able to hear us talk about on fightdisciples.com. So make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast, which is available for you every single Thursday morning when we're talking about uh, the UFC. Coming up next, back to boxing, and we are talking about Beefy because it's been his media tour this week for his upcoming fight against Liam Williams. This, this, this is Fight Disciples. You listen to Radio City Talk. I'm Adam Catterall. Nick Pete's here as well. This is Fight Disciples. Tuesday night, 6.30 through till 7.30. If you've only just tuned in, where have you been? Don't worry. We'll put a link uh, at Radio City Talk's Twitter for you to be able to download this show and you can listen to it um, whilst you're at work tomorrow or whatever you're deciding to do for the rest of the week. It will be available for you uh, a little later on this evening. Right now, let's turn our attention back towards boxing. Media tour this week in... Uh, it was Liverpool on Monday, Cardiff today uh, for the two Liams. This is this is a hotly anticipated fight. It's been muted around for a period of time. Uh, Liam Beefy Smith, of course, the former WBO uh, Super Welterweight World Champion, taking on Liam Williams, the lad from Cardiff, at £154. Um, it all coincides quite nicely with their promoter, Frank Warren, doing a deal with BT Sport. 8th of April in Manchester. It'll be live on your telly but I encourage you to go and get a ticket for this event because i tell you something, this is potentially fight of the year. You agree, don't you, Nicholas? Oh, big time, yeah. As soon as it was made, you know, Liam Williams has been someone that even Mayside Fight fans haven't been able to ignore. He's fought at the Echo Arena a couple of times and looked at business. Every time he's stepped up, he just keeps, seems to be getting better and better and better. He's on a six-fight knockout run. You know, he thoroughly deserves an opportunity against someone of Liam Smith's ilk. And by that, I mean someone who's world-class. And, uh, you know, this is a massive opportunity for Liam Williams. And seeing him at the press engagement this week, he's got his head switched on. Gary Lockett's got him saying all the right things as coach who I, who I know personally. Uh, Gary himself was actually based out of Liverpool during his own pro career. So it was nice to see Gary back in the city. But he, he, they've got big expectations for this kid, you know. They really do want him to push on and go all the way and become a world champion himself. And they see Liam Beefy Smith as the ideal scalp to make that happen. And I have to agree with them. Obviously, the flip side of that is I think Beefy's a better fighter. I think Beefy's proven himself to be world title level. I think he hits harder. I think he sets a higher work rate. Um, and it's it's going to be a tough... It's a massive opportunity for Liam Williams, but it's a massive step up as well. And He kind of touched on that during the press engagement this week. He accepted that Beefy's a step up in class, but I don't think he realises quite how much a step up in class he's going to be because my fear for the last week, Adam, we talked about it on last week's show. We obviously had uh, James Metcalf in the show, yeah. in the studio with us last week and, and James is on the undercard here. And, and I said, my big fear is that Beefy doesn't take this fight seriously, that he doesn't give Liam Williams the respect he deserves. But boy, looking at him in the press, in the media engagements this week, it's anything but that. Liam Beefy, Beefy knows that Williams is coming for his head and he knows he's got to be switched on. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, we're going to see a vintage performance from Beefy Smith on the night. Well, let's listen to his opponent, shall we? The boy from Wales was in Liverpool chatting to your cousin. He did a little bit of a job for us. Elliot. Elliot Foster. Thank you so much for doing this, Elliot. He went Our down. Our reporter, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, mate. He was down there, microphone in hand, having a bit of a chat uh, to both Liams. First of all, the boy from the Valleys, uh, Liam Williams. Uh, caught up with our boy Elliot talking about this upcoming fight on April the 8th. What challenges will Liam bring to the table that you haven't already faced in your career? It's 
to be honest, it's a, it's a whole new set of challenges. Um, there's going to be a lot of things which are going to test me. Um, you know, Liam Smith, obviously, he's definitely not going to come and fall over. You know, once I hit him a couple of times. So I'm in a real fight. And, you know, let's not forget he's in a real fight as well. I don't, I don't think he's been in, in a fight like this apart from Alvarez, the one which he got, which he lost and was stopped. Um, apart from that, this is the hardest fight. That's, that's a fact. The, um, now, obviously, you were hot-headed, I think it's fair to say, against Corcoran. Yeah, totally, yeah. And, um, and then, obviously, against Gorbic, you had the, you had the late opponent change, and it was, it was all a little bit of a mixed bag like, like, towards the end of that camp, I think it would be fair yeah, to say. Yeah, it was yeah. a... Bit of a bit of a frustrating one, really. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I had my mindset on fighting Ahmed Patson, and then you know he had his little he had his problems or whatever. <clears throat> and then I got matched up with uh, the Hungarian, which which he was tough, you know. Yeah, um, you know he had his little moments, but I don't believe he. I don't think he had enough ambition. And I don't think he honestly believed that he could beat me. So um, you know, he just he just come to survive and he come to run away and he made it a little bit frustrating me at times. Um, you know, it's just one of them things. As, as I've said, a bit of, bit of frustration in the camp. But you just got to get on with the job and get and you know just be professional. In hindsight, do do you think that despite despite getting the win and despite getting that new WBO European belt round your waist, were you expecting a better performance from yourself? Yeah, um, although I got a stoppage win, which is pretty much what you get. You know, mm. you go there to do every time. I got that, but it wasn't. It was by. It's probably like you know, 50, 60 percent of what I can do. It's just I need a good fighter in front of me to to perform. You know. And you know, I just guess someone like him coming to survive and running and you know jumping in with one shot here and there. Yeah. He didn't have enough ambition. He, you know, I just he, he made it hard work. The fact that he just didn't want to fight, you know. So that was a bit frustrating. But this, you know, Liam Smith's an all different ball game, and it's going to be a real fight. Now looking looking ahead, um, <coughs> in the in the media conference there, Liam said that. He thinks you're a very talented fighter, but he feels that you've got flaws. You admitted that you've got flaws. Do, yeah. you, do, do you think do you think he'll be able to expose those flaws? No, because the flaws he's seen won't be there for him to expose this time. You know, I'm getting better every fight, and I know the things he's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. So I'm, you know, I'm brushing up on them things. Um, every fight, I'm a different fighter. And, you know, trust me, this fight is it's going to be good. You've been incredibly impressed with this lad, especially over the last 12 to 18 months, because I remember seeing him personally maybe two, three years ago and thinking, he's all right, he's not amazing, he's okay. But the last 12 to 18 months, mate, he seems to have just found who he is inside the ring. Yeah, I seen. I remember seeing him fight in Liverpool. I say he's fought in Liverpool a couple of times. Seen him fight time booth, and it was a draw. And it was just one of those forgettable fights. That's the only that's the only blemish on his record so far, that one draw in 17 fights. But it was in Liverpool, it was at the Echo Arena. And um, 
you know, I remember watching that and not thinking too much of him, you know. I know Gary had always, Gary Lockett, his coach, had always spoken highly about him. And it was actually on Beefy's undercard. It was when Beefy fought Mark Thompson from Manchester. And, uh, you know, I just... He just become like a forgettable opponent. But then I remember he he returned to Liverpool uh, last year and fought that Sanchez, Gustavo, Gustavo Sanchez, knocked the kid out, stopped the kid, and that's part of this six-fight run that he's on. Mm. What it seems to have happened with Liam Williams is as soon, he had a Commonwealth title fight, knocked the kid out. British title fight, knocked the kid out. You know, it seems like when he gives gets these opportunities, this last fight, WBO European, stops the kid again. You know... He seems to once now he's in title class. He just seems to have come into his own, and he seems to have grown stronger, faster, far more confident than he was certainly in his early days. Now a lot of fighters will say that you know I'll, I'll improve when my opponents step up. It's funny sometimes guys do perform better when the guy in the opposite corner. It sounds crazy is coming to win. Do you know what I mean? Early on in your career, first ten fights, you're generally fighting a lot of journeymen, a lot of guys that are there to to not get stopped so they can fight again. The next, it's tough to look good against those guys sometimes. It's tough to show the world what you're really all about. Certainly to get knockouts because a lot of these guys are survivors. But with Williams, as soon as he's moved into the title class, as soon as he's moved in against opponents that are coming to beat him, that are coming to open up and try and win. He's just come into his own and he's really starting to show he's got real power. That sounds uh, remarkably like your favourite football teammate. You know what I mean? The harder the opposition, the better they seem to play. <laughs> yeah, put, put us in against bottom of the league and we haven't got a chance. But You stick him in with the top boys, oh, murder him all day it. long. Exactly. Uh, well, hopefully he doesn't murder all day long because we want Beefy to win that fight because we're massive fans of his. But from his point of view, you mentioned slightly earlier on regarding mentality, taking this fight lightly. Last opponent was one of the pound-for-pound best in the world. Mm-hmm. Saul Alvarez, Canelo, over in the States, yeah? He went out to Dallas. He fought in front of God knows how many Mexicans. I think the final count was about 90,000 or something. It was ridiculous numbers over there. Sadly, he came up short. It must be incredibly difficult for him now to come back, obviously no longer the world champion, and then re-motivate himself to go and fight against a kid that you would anticipate that he would have he would beat, that shouldn't really be mentioned in his ilk, but is doing now. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what Beefy was kind of reiterating today in the media thing. It's you know it's it's that old you're not you're not fit to li- li- lace my boots kind of attitude, yeah. and that's what Beefy's got to believe, and I, I truly believe he does. He is he he's, he he thinks that that's the way his mentality is, but he's got to perform like that on the night as well. He's got to show Liam Williams that he is world class. That Williams is not. Beefy Smith's level, and he's got to get on him from the first bell because I tell you now, if Williams gets rounds in the bank, if he gets into a nice rhythm, if he warms into the fight and he fancies the fight on the night, then he could really be a threat to Beefy getting back into world title class, which is what he needs to do straight away. He needs to he needs to use this fight as a springboard to get straight back into a super welterweight world title fight. Personally, you know, I hadn't seen Beefy since the Alvarez fight. Seen him now at the media day this week, just listen to the way he's talking. I think actually that loss against one of the best pound for pound on the planet, I think that's good. That's actually given Beefy a little bit of more more confidence, if you like. He's been in with the best guy in and around his weight class on the planet. You know, he's fought in front of 90,000 Mexicans to come fight, to come back and fight against a guy who, in Beefy's mind, is very much domestic class. Yeah. 
then there shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. I don't think, from the looks of things, Joe Gallagher's going to have no issues motivating Liam Smith for this fight. And if Liam Smith turns up switched on, if he turns up in the kind of shape he was in when he headed over to Texas to fight Sol Alvarez, I think it could be a, a very punishing night and a, very, and a rude wake-up call for Liam Williams. But I think Beefy's got to get on him fast, get on him from the start, and, and show this kid that he's, he's the world-class fighter, not the other way around. Uh, speaking of wake-up calls, tomorrow morning uh, we will obviously be giving you our extra boxing podcast, which is available via our website, fightdisciples.com. Go there, subscribe, and you'll never miss out on our weekly uh, boxing content. Uh, but on episode 75 of our boxing show, uh, we do, of course, preview Adrian Broner, who is back in action this weekend against his mate, Adrian Granados. Um, now, part of that discussion between me and Nick is uh, me loving Adrian Broner and his showmanship and Nick wanting Adrian Broner to get absolutely spangled <laughs> at the weekend. You're, you, you did, He's one of those guys that polarises people and I'm sure that there are people listening right now that know who Adrian Broner is and as soon as I mention his name, maybe shout a profanity at the radio. Yeah, the guy's a fool. <laughs> you didn't say that on the podcast, but we're allowed to swear on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The guy's the guy's a fool. So, you know, it's a weird fight. I can't I can't really wrap my head around the fight this weekend. He's coming back to fight his mate, his you know his his training partner. It's a weird main event in Ohio that's actually got a world title fight as as chief support, which is a better fight anyway. It's at least it's going to be competitive. I don't know. I, I just don't buy into the whole AG and Broner thing. Yes, he's a four weight world champion. Yes, when he turns up, he's absolute mustard in the boxing ring. I just can't get past the fact that outside of the ring, he's a twerp. <laughs> Good man. I thought I was getting ready with my bleep button there. Uh, there's been uh, <laughs> there's been issues, of course, with weight as well with uh, Adrian Broner. He was stripped of his 140 pound uh, world title against Ashley Theopen because he missed weight only by a smidge, but he missed weight at the end of the day. He's a world champ. That shouldn't happen. He should be professional. Um, this particular fight was originally contracted for £142, a catch weight. However, uh, his team have put in a request to raise that to £147. So he's fighting at full welterweight this time around. The rumours are, well, the rumours are, the official line from them is that he was ill during camp and therefore he didn't train for a couple of weeks and now needed the full £147 for the fight. This, to me, just smacks of not living the life anymore. This is a man that enjoys the high life. He's the guy that goes around shouting about billions every two minutes. It's all about the money for him. He enjoys the rich life. He enjoys the fast life. He does, yeah, you know, and that's one of the, you know, another reason why people don't warm to him as a person. You know, it's a, Floyd Mayweather enjoys the fast life. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather, you know, he, uh, he's one of the greatest boxers of this generation. He backs it up. Every single time he makes weight, he makes the fight. He he lives fulfills, it. He lives the fulfills life. his contract of obligation. This guy promotes himself. Clearly, does what he wants. You know, he's for me. He's kind of doing a number on his so-called mate here. He's put him in the main event, and then he's told him a week before the fight. Actually, I can't make weight now, so we'll just do it at whatever weight I can be bothered <laughs> making weight. And too, that's true. You know? That's so, exactly what that is. Yeah, exactly. So I've got no time for AG and Broner as a person. There you go then, uh, for those that were wondering what Nick's thoughts were for, for Adrian <laughs> yeah. Broder and were thinking, do you know something, I'm going to tune into tomorrow's podcast just to see what it's all about. I think he's kind of summed it all up there and absolutely knocked it on the head. Superb. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you missed any part of it, it will be available for you 
um, via a link that I will put on at Radio City Talk. Make sure you go and have a little bit of a nosy in. We will be back next week, of course, 6.30 through till 7.30. Every week we are here. And don't forget, next week is technically two weeks away, two shows away from Tony the Bomber Bellew against oh, David yes. Hay. We're going to start building this up nice. We're going to start ramping it up because obviously... We're going to get them both on. We're going to get them both on. <laughs> Can you imagine? We'd be shut down, mate, if we had both of those boys on the on the show <laughs> at the same time. Obviously, Derry taking on O'Hara Davis as well. Um, yeah. And that itself has got its own uh, narrative of which we'll be speaking about on next week's show. So make sure you come and join us next week right here on Radio City Talk uh, from 6.30. Quick shout-out for Craig Callahan from Sefton who won in uh, Mississippi last Saturday beat Star Johnson knocked him out Craig was used to box for Sefton ABC he's been living in Houston Texas for the last uh, five or six years building himself up a nice pro record he was a winner last Saturday in Mississippi go on lad thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via iTunes